The one thing that I believe would work everywhere is fighting. Because it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak. We're all human beings and fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it and we like it. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of The Wokecast. Joining me from Brooklyn is New York's own Harriet Tubman. She's cooler than a prince <laughs> in a nightclub. It's G from Woe TV. Actually, it should be Julia Roberts from Woe TV. That is the young lady. <laughs> I believe that's you the young lady got, you're speaking of. <laughs> you obviously got the reference. I mean, Harriet Tubman being possibly played by Julia Roberts has to be one of the most ludicrous pieces of casting or even casting that was considered that I've ever come across even my born days. It's 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 mind blowing. Like they did she's a white woman and an older white woman. Harriet Tubman is a dark skinned black woman that was once a slave. Like what? But am I surprised? Not at all. And I think it's quite humorous and I'm glad they didn't go forward with it, thank God. What cracked me up the most, though, is, you know, the studio execs and their rationale for, you know, pushing this on the table and for having this as a possibly an option. And I quote, um, basically, studio execs thought that no one would actually... Actually, no, no let me just punch up the, 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 the full quote. Screenwriter Gregory Allen Howard claimed he was told that viewers wouldn't know that Tubman was black. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> most of us know about her. And also, if you do a quick Google search, you will be quite surprised at her appearance. And these people are nuts. Like, And then also, too, Julia Roberts is an older woman now. She was an 80s heartthrob. What the hell were they thinking? You know, but thank God they didn't go forward with it, Michael, because there would be no justice, no peace all over this place if they had went forward with that. So they were pretty smart not to do it. <laughs> oh, definitely. And the second reference you've obviously uh, gathered um, relates to um, a massive interview on these shores, which took place over the weekend on BBC. Um, I think it was Newsnight. Um, having watched the full interview, I was aghast. I was astonished. I was amazed at, first of all, the legalese that Prince Andrew, who was being grilled by, um, I think, in, in a sterling way, a sterling effort by the BBC reporter and journalist um, who was actually um, speaking to Prince Andrew around and um, basically posing questions about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. One of the things which kind of struck me, though, was one, the legalese and the way in which he was actually answering each question as though he's been primed by a lawyer. But secondly, <laughs> just some of the astonishing answers, things like there is no way that could have been me on the dance floor sweating profusely because of a, uh, of a condition which relates to his time in the army. He was unable to sweat. Oh, that's just weird. Like, sir. Let me just pause right there. Let me just pause right there. <laughs> Unable to sweat. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how it actually went down in the States. But over here in the UK, I mean, it was laughable at best. But not only that, public confidence, especially when you look at the actual dialogue on Twitter and the narrative on Twitter and people's comments. I mean, people were basically calling him an out-and-out liar. Now, I'm not saying that. Right. Uh, allegedly, um... A lot of what he was saying um, was, you know, coming from what he could recollect. But um, public confidence in Prince Andrew is at an all-time low. How has it actually gone down in the States? Is there any news or is there any um, waves off the back of that? Yeah, what I saw on my Twitter page was just basically people clowning him. Like, yeah, right. Like, you was all at the parties, you nasty, and you was with, that, <laughs> you was with your boy, Jeffrey Epstein. He just appeared to be... Like like you said, um, the answers were contrived or they were strange. Either one, you know what I mean? So it didn't come mm. off as believable, you know? And I think anyone associated with Epstein, except for the president, um, is uh, they're, they're marred, you know what I mean? Like Epstein was a pretty skeevy dude, so I think everybody over here is kind of side-eyeing him and stuff like that. But there were some pretty funny memes and just people like, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Nobody believed him over here. Oh, tell me about it. I, 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 I'm not surprised because, you know, not only was there that big gaffe, there was the other, well, I flew to New York. 
I flew all the way to New York to break off our relationship. Now, you know, the, the, we're living in an age of emails and telephone and right. big old prince had to fly over to New York to take a stroll in the park with your boy and break off their friendship. Right. Incredible. Like, you can't text him or give him a call or have somebody contact him for you. You took a plane. Yeah, right. You sound guilty <laughs> as I don't know what. You was all up in those parties. <laughs> okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. Let's allegedly. just be careful right now. Allegedly. Allegedly. Correct. And it's but, the Americans saying this, so <laughs> it's me. <laughs> but I'm saying allegedly. <laughs> Indeed. Well, something that didn't allegedly take place on Saturday, it actually took place, was UFC Sao Paulo. Now, I don't know about you, apart from the main and co-main, and uh, okay, you can include Charles Oliveira in there, in terms of talking points, in terms of intrigue, interest, and um, compelling stories, there wasn't an awful lot to look at there. What do you think? Um, I'll just be honest. I kind of thought this like um, fight, um, this card kind of sucked. I was, um, <laughs> no, I was bored, bro. Like, if it wasn't for Charles Oliveira and Jared Gord- Gordon, I don't know what I would have done. And, um, mm. yeah, there were just some duds on here. What I will say is that I did enjoy the prelims. They were fun. So if anybody listening, you know, go check out, you know, Ariana Lipsky's fight. Francis- Francisco Trinaldo versus Bobby Green had some wonderful grappling exchanges and um, reversals. Yeah. yeah, there were a couple you know, fun fights on the prelims. But once we got to the main cards, I was like, man, I'm ready for a nap. It was, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? Well, exactly the same. I mean, I have to say, you know, Mike, Mike doesn't stick around for the prelims. Like a prelim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, 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 from what I saw, like I say, I was only interested in the main and co-main. And I caught highlight clips of Oliveira's knockout via Twitter. Um, for me, though, in, in terms of narrative, in terms of stories, um, big up Paul Craig. Because remember, um, going into this, not a lot of people, including myself, you know, I can't pass off the, the, um, the, the usual not a lot of people and not actually point to myself and the bowl of crow, which I'm about to consume. But Paul Craig wasn't someone who I thought was going to come out of that um, anyway, shape or form um, with a, a, you know, a pyrrhic victory because, you know, that being a draw, that being against the legendary Shogun Hua, um, I have to say, Paul Craig did very well to actually come out of there with a draw. Yeah, I thought he came out on fire in the first round. Like, um, mm. when he unleashed those flurries of punches to um, Shogun's face, I was like, Paul's, Paul's ready for war. And he came out strong. And he um, came out with, like, all types of kicks and punches. And he just went straight to Shogun. And I loved it. However, I felt the second and third round, he was kind of pulling guard. He, was, he just really wanted to fight on the ground and was pulling Shogun in. And it was just like, uh, keep it standing, bro. You're having a much better time there. And Shogun is kind of controlling you on the bottom but however if you look at the fight stats Paul um, Craig outstruck um, Shogun throughout the whole Shogun fight. Yeah. yeah but I think yeah. the reason why I went to a draw is because Shogun was on top and that that looks better in the judges eyes you know when you're controlling yeah. you could be throwing up triangles and whatever you want from the bottom but you're actually not mm. submitting him but somebody's on top of you. So I think a lot of times you got to fighters have to be careful because the judges think you're losing. You know what I mean? Just because somebody is physically on top of you. And I think that's what happened here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and sticking with narratives, I love the fact that going into this, Paul Craig was pretty adamant that, you know, he hadn't really heard or he hadn't been following the career of Shogun Hua before he actually uh, went into the UFC. Really? And he hadn't actually looked, yeah, he hadn't actually looked at, you know, his, uh, his back catalogue, his portfolio and his legendary status. And you could just tell, by the way, I don't know if you noticed in their stare down, in the actual, um, when they actually took the, to the, to the, um, to the face-off. Paul Craig was looking at him with the highest level of disrespect I've ever seen another athlete look at another athlete. I mean, it was just so much in the vein of, man, I'm going to tear your face off and uh, eat the remains. Yeah, but that, you know, that's good on him because that's what you should do. You're fighting a legend and you got to show this person, like, I don't care. You know what I mean? You're beatable. Mm. So he came out there and he did what he had to do. But, you know, I just question, I question Paul Craig's fight IQ towards the second and third round like there were times when I was like oh come on like what did you pull guard like stop it <laughs> and then um, 
And then Shogun, he with the dad bod and just like eating all those punches and he didn't look the same. He was slow. Mm. I was like, man. And then, you know, Shogun in his prime or even Shogun maybe a couple years ago would have murked Paul Craig in, in the stand up. And that just wasn't happening. Oh, what? 100%. And it's funny you mentioned about Paul Craig pulling guard because a lot of um, interviews which have taken place subsequently have picked up the fact that he went in there with an injury. It was a cut above his eye. So he obviously felt that giving him trouble. Oh. And um, having injured himself so close to the fight, obviously he didn't want a gash actually opening up, which would obviously stop the fight. But, you know, fair play to him. I like the fact that they both agreed. And if um, UFC bosses permit it, they're happy to run that back and to run it back at the forthcoming um, UFC London, which will be taking place in March of 2020. I think that would be cool for the fans. I mean, I'm not like really that interested in a rematch. I'll watch it. You know mm. what I mean? But I think like London would definitely love that. Paul Craig, even though he's almost like a lower tier, almost like a gatekeeper to gatekeepers, he has a fan base. Like, you you know, people love him. You know what I mean? And he... Yeah. he um, he goes all out like he he fights with his heart so he's accumulating a nice fan base and i think the fans would love that and believe it or not even though mauricio was on his way down or he's already down this is a this is a tough matchup for him you know they're they're evenly matched i hate to say it for you know shogun fans that are die hard but this is an evenly matched fight it's why it went to a draw which is just shocking to say because back in the day Mauricio would have murdered him. This, I mean, you've seen the fight with Dan Henderson and 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 um, Leota Machido. That's He's been not in the some same legendary person. straps. Say it again. He's been in some legendary scraps, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you and I both know that he would have made quick work of Paul Craig. But we're looking at a seasoned Shogun Hua. We're looking at um, Shogun Hua is at the tailor end or he's at the in the twilight years of his fight career. And I think he's got about two possibly three more fights in him. I would err on two more fights in him before we actually see Shogun Hua leave those four-ounce gloves yeah. in the middle of the octagon. He's actually told the media that him and his wife have um, discussed this and that he has two more fights in him. But, okay, you know, they you always say that. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll see what happens. He's still got that fighting spirit, the fact that he wants to run this back right away. You know? So we'll, yeah, we'll see yeah, what happens. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and... Uh, Jacare Souza uh, went to Excuse a decision snore. I, I was sleeping. What did you say? Yeah, yeah. I thought I, I just. I, I'm going to have to fly over there. I think I'm going to be on the next plane so that I can uh, wake you up. Yeah. Because that's what people do. Apparently, that's what you you do when you you want you want to get stuff done. You yeah. you literally turn up in person. Come on down. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that that I think you know we're both in agreement. That was a snore fest. Um, yeah. For Jan Blakowicz, he hasn't done any, himself any favours there. In terms of getting closer to title contention, this has done nothing for him. He's literally just stood still there. So it'll be interesting to see who they do give uh, John Jones next. I doubt it's going to be Jan Blakowicz no, off that performance. I'm, fans are not clamouring to see Jan, uh, Jan fight safely against you know John Jones and then also like what did he show us that is going to give John Jones a problem what's going to make us buy that pay-per-view bout and have and have us thinking that he can give John Jones a run for his money and not for nothing he's going to send him to sleep yeah yeah maybe put him to sleep like you know he almost did with this fight but you know everybody talks (laughs) about um John and and he didn't do enough but like he also fought somebody it's like he fought um Jacare and Nobody's talking about the fact that Jack Ray just kept going for takedowns and wasn't getting mm. them. And you move up. What's, the, what's going on with this, Mike? I think we need to discuss this. What's going on with people, fighters, excuse me, going to like light heavyweight or going up in weight class and grappling? Chris Weidman did it. Luke Rockhold did it against Jan and got knocked out. And then Jacare did it for like five straight rounds with no success and kept going at it. Like, why don't they yeah, throw their hands? Like, fight. Look at... Look- <laughs> Yeah, but look at look at uh, Sousa's skill set. It's very, very grappling heavy. I mean, yeah. you know, this this guy's a jiu-jitsu phenom, so it was never going to be a striking fest. Plus, really and truly, that, that's I think that poses a threat to Jan Blakowicz. You were never going to put him away on the on the feet. Yeah. You were never ever going to outstruck him or outstrike him. So it was always going to be um, a grappler yeah. versus striker. Uh, matchup. It's just a trend but, I'm seeing. Like everyone, oh, I'm going up to light 
heavyweight, you know, from middleweight to light heavyweight, and then, oh, I'm going to grapple. Yeah. But this isn't your natural weight class, and you're trying to grapple someone that is at their mm. natural weight class and stronger than you. So it's just like, yep. I know that's your strength, but is it your strength in this weight class? Because I'm noticing a trend. Mm. That's, you know, my thought process. But anyone that thinks that Jacare run the fight is clearly incorrect. I know they clinched up a lot, but when they were not clinching, um, Jan outstruck him clearly all five rounds and Jack Ray didn't get any I don't believe he got any takedowns so John did win this fight it was just in like utterly boring ass fashion boring fashion <laughs> yeah, yeah he won though yeah. straight up if you look mm. at the stats he, he got it done but it was just not a performance for a title fight you know what I mean? Mm. And I think it actually stepped him back some and then even his call out wasn't even that impressive like I I mean, I was half asleep anyway, but the fight... Too respectful for me. Yeah. Too respectful. Like if there's got to be some venom. There's got to be some bite. There's got to be something which is going to grab the attention yes. of the person who you're calling out, and that weren't it. Yeah, it just seemed like, oh, I'll take John if he's available. Have him call me. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, <laughs> John, you know, you just had like a really boring performance, and then you might mm. want to spice up, you might want to spice it up, or now you might want to sell it, you know. I don't know, but... I was unimpressed. I'm glad we're going to take a little UFC break and we got Bellator and Glory and other things coming up. So and Cage Warriors, but we need a UFC break. The the two cards back to back have been kind of lackluster. I didn't like Moscow either. And and that that neatly segues into uh our next section, which is Chisanga uh, Malata, one of the UK's finest journalists who will be joining us on a weekly basis. Here he is actually breaking down this week's action, which is coming up, both of which taking place in the UK, both of which hopefully will wipe away the tears that we had for last weekend's UFC. This weekend is a big weekend for fight fans in the United Kingdom, in particular in London, because we have not one, but two mixed martial arts cards taking place in the capital. On Friday night, Cage Warriors will return to the Indigo at the O2 Arena for Cage Warriors 111. And on Saturday night, Bellator returned to the SSC Wembley Arena for Bellator London, their second fight card in the capital this year. Now, there are some very, very interesting fights on both cards. But for me, the standout fight is Paddy Pimlet versus Joe Giannetti. Now, everybody will know Joe Giannetti from uh, The Ultimate Fighter. And this will be his first fight in Cage Warrior. So I'm, I'm very, very intrigued to see how he gets on. Um, his last fight, I do believe, um, was, was, on the, was on the tough finale, tough 27, and that was in July of 2018. So that's, that's a long layoff for, for Joe. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. And that obviously his loss to Michael Triazano was the first of his career. And uh, his debut against Paddy Pimbler is, uh, is by no means uh, an, an easy task for him. Also on the card, um, the fight that I'm looking most forward to, I'd say the second fight I'm most looking forward to this weekend is the rematch between James Webb and Natias Frederick. And that's the Cage War, of course, the Cage Warriors middleweight title fight rematch. Uh, they fought the Cage Warriors, I can't remember the exact number <laughs> off the top of my head, forgive me for that. Um, they fought it in the, in the summer at the London Apollo Arena, and it was a controversial draw that their their fight ended up in. It was a it was a back and forth affair, and I do believe, if memory serves me rightly, Natias had a, had a point deducted from him for an illegal slam. And I, personally, I think he possibly should have had two deducted from him that night because it looked like there were two illegal slams, but uh, the referee only gave one one uh, one uh, one point deduction. Also in action on that card will be um, former UFC uh, featherweight Mads Burnell, who will defend his title against Steve Amable. And we've got, uh, forgive me for my pronunciation, Modestas Bakuskas versus Ricardo Nocilija for the light heavyweight title fight. And that, that will be a stellar fight as well. Moving on to Saturday night and Bellator's return to the English capital. Bellator London is headlined by a welterweight fight between Michael Venom Page and Giovanni Melillo. Now, as you'll all know by now, that Giovanni has been drafted in as a late replacement for Derek the Barbaric Anderson, who was forced to withdraw from the card with an injury. Um, 
it's rather unfortunate given the fact that around two years ago, M- Michael and Derek were meant to fight in at the SSE Wembley Arena, and it was Michael who was forced to withdraw from the card. Um, I don't think it's quite um, Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov levels, but this fight to me kind of seems a bit cursed, and uh, it's a shame that both guys have uh, have had to go through two long camps preparing for each other, and they haven't got the opportunity to share the the cage with each other. Michael, of course, is uh, still trying to get himself back into uh, title contention, obviously, following his loss to Douglas Lima earlier this year. And he bounced back with a, uh, a stellar performance against Richard Kiley in Ireland. And I'm sure he'll be looking for, for another stellar finish against Giovanni in, uh, on, on home territory. Also on the card is uh, Fabian Edwards against uh, Mike Shipman. This is a grudge match. This has been... Uh, in the making for, I'd say, at least the last 18 months. And many, myself included, believe that Mike will provide Fabian with arguably the toughest test of his career. Fabian has been has gone 8-0, I do believe. Yeah, he's gone 8-0 in his, uh, in his pro career right now. And he looks, he looks unstoppable at this moment in time. But people can make the argument that he hasn't really been tested. And I think Mike will provide him with that stellar test. Also on the card is Terry Brazier versus Soren Back. That's a very, very, very good fight in my eyes. And I'm also lo- really looking forward to Charlie Ward, Ward versus Pinet- Pietro Pinini. Excuse my pronunciation of Italian names. <laughs> I'm not that, good at not that good at it. Also, notable fights on the card. Alfie Davis, who's 12-3-0 against Alessandro Botti. And the always entertaining Walter Gahadza versus Louis Long. I'm really looking forward to that fight. And let's not forget um, Chris Chris Bongard as well. I'm also I'm also a fan of the Scott as well. I can't I can't not give him his dues. He'll be taking on Benjamin Brander. All in all, UK fans are in for a treat this weekend. It's rare that we get back to back fight cards um, and back to back weekends, let alone on the Friday and the Saturday. The last time I can recall something like happening like that was actually when Bellator, yes, Bellator were in town. It was it was the weekend of UFC UFC um, Liverpool when Darren Till fought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That card took place on the Sunday and Bellator took place on the Friday night. So not exactly back to back, but within close proximity to each other. But I'm also hearing that this this weekend that possibly we could hear some fight news regarding UFC London. Um, it's not a hundred. It's not a hundred percent yet, but I'm been told that there could be an announcement in the in imminent imminently so that's something to uh to to look out for as well for uk fight fans okay that's uh enough from me chisanga malara from the daily star and daily express i uh hope you're all well and enjoy the fights this weekend guys <laughs> <laughs> okay so you had a you had a listen to what um yeah what uh chisanga had to say mm-hmm. i have to say of the exciting matchups which are coming um, our way this weekend, I am so looking forward to you know Bellator, um, Bellator London, especially because I'm going to be on scene. I'm going to be on scene there um, in the lead up, and that is for the press conference, for the stare downs, for the weigh in, but also on fight night with Bellator's own Leah McCourt. Nice. She'll be joining us uh, backstage giving us the rundown and uh, making trouble interviewing fighters post-fight. But there are, I have to say, quite a few runners and riders on this card, which is essentially just stacked full of UK names. These are kind of like a a who's who in terms of um, the names which are available. But off the top, the ones which do actually spring to mind and which actually drop um, well, should actually um, uh, entice people to actually watch this, and that is my old friend Walter Gahadza versus Lu Long. Gahadza, uh, for a long while, was unbeaten. He's now eighteen and four. Lu Long is a mainstay of uh, mixed martial arts. He is sixteen and five. Now, for Gahadza, I really do feel for a long while he's been criticised, and a lot of people have been saying basically he's not been tested. Hence, the reason why. He's amassed quite an impressive record. So Lu Long actually does pose a a massive test. This essentially is going to be um, contested on the feet. So it's striker versus striker. And given their striking prowess, or prowess, um, Gahadza known for, you know, his vicious leg kicks, known for his um, wicked uh, left 
left hooks. Being also um, in the camp often when uh, Paul Daly is actually preparing fights, he's a Paul Daly um, Ooh, uh, partner training partner. Right. Nice. So we're going to see, I feel, um, some real electric performances um, when those two take to the cage. Now, I'm, I'm sure if there's anybody on the prelims that you wanted to highlight before we move forward onto the main card, but there yes. are quite a few that I wanted to highlight, but you go for it. Yeah, um, Denise Keyholtz is fighting again. And she's I thought fighting. you might say that. Of course. You know, every time she I, fights, I'm going to be like, Denise. Um, Denise. Uh, are you dribbling now? I can, can hardly hear you. <laughs> I know. Let me wipe the drool from my chin. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> just a beautiful woman. Shout out to you, Denise. And I don't want to be a pig, mm. but she's beautiful. Um, but she's also a great fighter. And I keep an eye. Whenever she fights, I do keep an eye on her. Her fights are fun. And, and she's very intelligent too. I haven't spoken to her. Let's not, you know, objectify her. Let's uh, give her full credit and yes. full dues. She is incredibly intelligent. But anyway, back to you. Yes, yes. Huge, huge fan outside of thinking she's um, attractive, but huge fan. And <laughs> I don't know anything about her opponent, but I'm always going to root for Denise. And I'm curious about her opponent. She's, this is, I believe, her debut. Sabria Sengul. She's from Turkey. Sengul. Yeah. Sengul, right. And she's from Turkey. And I have no idea what she brings to the table, but I love fights like that because I have no, I don't know anything about them. And that could be dangerous for Denise as well. But, you know, of course, my money's on Denise. But I'm curious about this newcomer. And I also want to see uh, how Denise performs against somebody new. And I always watch her fight. So huge fan. So that's on my eye on the prelims. Mm. And also, you know, before we move past the prelims, another one which has caught my eye, which is Robert Redford versus Sam Celia. I think that is going to be an incredible showdown. We remember that Robert Whiteford was having contractual problems when he was fighting for ACB. ACB, a lot of money was actually pumped into that promotion. They mm. sapped up a lot of uh, UK talent and uh, was putting on consistent shows, but fell foul of what usually happens to um, promotions when they grow and grow very, very fast. Basically, they ran out of money. So he was having trouble actually getting out of his contract because that company then morphed into... Um, something different again with uh, three letters can't remember but excuse me Mm -hmm. Um, Robert Whiteford is now free of his contract now signed to Bellator in a multi-fight deal so this I reckon does actually pose a significant threat to him considering how well how long he has actually been outside the cage I mean Sam Cecilia is no slouch 17 and 10 so that promises to be quite the test for Robert well, hopefully he's been, you know, doing his thing outside of the cage. Yes, I understand he has contract issues, but hopefully mm. he's still working. You know what I mean? So maybe that's not going to matter. And don't forget, Dominic Cruz always says that ring rust is just a mental issue. It's not, you know, so we'll see how he performs. Some fighters don't uh, react to ring rust. They just come back and get busy, and some need a tune-up fight. And I don't know if somebody with that type of record is going to be uh, someone that needs to have ring rust as their opponent. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> we should see. And don't forget Charlie Ward from SBG is fighting too. Uh, Petro oh, Pena. yeah. Yeah. I, um, mm. I have my eye on Charlie Ward. You know, SBG boys always got my eye on them. Seven and three. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wins mostly by submissions and stuff. And um, no, excuse me, by um, KOs. Exciting fighter. And, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's quite the puncher. Yeah, that's why I said, excuse me. No, 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 not submissions. This guy mm. is um, a heavy puncher and always interested in SBG guys. I always keep a close eye on them. So I'm going to definitely um, keep an eye on Charlie. And that's, that. I think it should be a fun fight. Um, and um, his opponent is um, evenly matched. I love how Bellator gives them opponents that are like, on their levels. Petro was 8-1, and one, Charlie Ward is 7-3, and three, similar type of records, and it should be like a competitive match. So I'm looking forward to that. Moving on to the main card. Yes. Um, for me, this is... You could actually build this as Bama versus Cage Warriors because Terry Brazier is an ex-title uh, holder. I remember. In yeah. a now-defunct promotion, um, Bama. Basically, Terry was a two-weight champion mm-hmm. coming out of Bama. And saw him back, again, coming from another promotion, a, a two-weight champion in Cage Warriors. Now, both obviously now signed to Bellator. Both um, double-weight champions in their previous organizations. You can imagine that this is basically 
For me, it's the unspoken clash of the Bellator Championship. Um, well, who's actually going to walk away with the kudos here? Um, obviously, there's no actual championship mm. title on the line, but just being the fact that they are double champion champions in their respective or their previous organisations, yeah. this is an unspoken um, championship clash for yeah, me. Yeah, it's almost like a Bellator on the low BMF belt. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And it's like BMF on the low. Yeah, BMF I love that. on the low, Bellator type of. You know, like they know what's up. You know what I'm saying? And and if the fans oh. that follow know their background, you know what I mean. So, this is going to be one hell of a fight. Um, this Viking dude is really, really good. Twelve and one. Um, and I'm excited. I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be like a fireworks type of fight. I'm actually. I'm glad you brought it up. I think it's going to be a really, really good one. And I really just. As- don't know who to put my money on on this one. I was about to say, as we are on the main card, uh, let's let's go for some um, let's go for some predictions here because Terry Brazier, um, ex ex uh, squaddy, ex uh, army, yes. is coming in here with a kill or be killed mentality. He's been in the trenches, literally in the trenches, and is now doing yeah. his thing in the cage. Now, for me though, um, th- these are two warriors of different ages. I'm not talking about physical ages. Terry is the new age army vet, whereas mm-hmm. Soren Back is drawing on his Viking roots. And it's just, I think, you know, you couldn't script anything better, but they haven't really done anything with this, the promotion, in terms of promoting what essentially is a fantastic clash. So yeah. my money, I have to say, love Terry. He's from the UK. I should be back in the UK by guy, but Soren Back is formidable. I'm yeah. really looking forward to seeing um, these two clashes I mentioned, but I really do think that it will be Soren back. I feel by third round, possibly second round TKO. Oh, yeah? Wow. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea who to pick here. I'm leaning, <laughs> I'm leaning towards um, Soren, but I just mm. think Terry's just such a badass. But I'm going to put my money on Soren. And also, too, Soren has a win over my boo, Patty Pimblett. Which mm. I think is pretty awesome. You know, I love Patty. So, um, I don't know. I find um, Soren to be highly aggressive, um, mm. well-rounded. He's got a variety of wins from submissions to knockouts. And I think that's just what you need for somebody like Terry, just someone that just can get it done in any facet of MMA. So, I'm going to go. I'm going I'm to, you know, be a wild card here. I put my money on the true Viking, Soren. And see what so happens. that's two of us going for the true Viking. Now the next bout, I think, will have a split. Actually, no, I don't. I, 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 I think I know who you're actually going to go for. So I don't think we are going to split on this one. But they are two old friends of ours who joined us on the show several weeks back. Fabian Edwards, eight and zero, unbeaten, versus Mike Shipman, thirteen and two. Now they have got. I would say one of the liveliest rivalries in the UK. Not only can they both talk the talk, they obviously talk the talk as well, but they're very good um, in actually building this up. And they're not building it up out of any kind of manufactured beef or any manufactured conflict. There is genuine animosity here. So it's going to be fantastic to see them finally, I've been waiting for this for 18 months, finally get in the cage and actually clash Both of them coming in with a stand-up style. Both of them coming in with um, vicious intentions. Particularly, I'm leaning towards Fabian in this, in that his leg kicks, especially the left left turning kick. kick, The left turning kick, left high kick, will be seen in devastating fashion, I believe, here. Mike Shipman has shown in past bouts that he is susceptible to a knockout. Um, I really do feel that... um, Bellator couldn't have put on a better people's uh, main event. Now, I know this is the co-main event, but for me, it is the people's main event. Oh, it's mine. I was just about to say that, like, I'm actually more excited about this than the actual main event. I'm familiar with both fighters. We did Mm -hmm. the interview with them, and the interview clearly proves that there is some true animosity between the two. They were just had all types of insults. You know, even if you don't know who they are and you listen to the show, you're in. You want to know who yeah. wins this fight. So yeah. the animosity is real. And I agree with Chisanga from his um from his segment of the show. Um, 
Michael Shipman is going to test Fabian, I believe. I'm not saying he's going to win. My money's on Fabian. But I'm saying this is a, I agree with him. This is a true test for him. Michael Shipman is strong enough to throw him around. He really is. But is he, can he deal with Fabian's speed? That's my, how does he circumvent that? How does he get around somebody that is incredibly fast and sneaky and can hit you with that leg kick that we've spoken of. And even, here's another thing. Michael Shipman is well aware of that leg kick because he, he mentioned it on the show. He was like, that's all you got, which leads yeah. me to believe that he's worked on it. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that his camp has addressed. So if you take that out the equation, what does Fabian do, you know, to make up for that? And does Michael Shipman throw him around? With that being said, my money's on Fabian <laughs> You know, you're right. With that being said, my money is also on Fabian. But just yeah. to pick up on the point that you were just mentioned or that you mentioned just a while ago in that when you think about it, um, Mike Shipman, his training partner, his main training partner is Michael Venom Page at oh. London Shoot Fighters. Now, look at Michael Venom Page's tricky style. Look at the arsenal that Michael Venom Page has within his toolkit, his toolbox. He is a very very sneaky competitor along the same lines as Fabian Edwards but I would say even more wily I would say even more tricky I would say even more conniving and I would say even more well versed in basically having that in and out style where you think that you are out of range but Michael Venom Page will close the distance very very quickly so I think that is the only thing in the back of my mind that's making me think perhaps Perhaps, just perhaps, there might be uh, something there that, you know, Mike Shipman can draw on in terms of, you know, that is a formidable training opponent to have. Yeah, but my money's still on Fabian You have to address Edwards. that. You have to address that, that, that movement that, um, you know, Fabian is going to bring to the table. To me, it's the speed yeah. and the perfect person to train speed and just like that in and out movement, you're right, is MVP and mm. the angles and mm. whatnot. And it sounds like the left high kick and the left kick has been addressed. But like I said, I think that Fabian is also a dynamic striker. He's he's coming up, you know, he's about to be in his prime, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. Mm. I, I just leaning towards Fabian. My money's on him. But I think Michael Shipman is going to bring it. And this is my main event. I'm pumped. And speaking of the main event, Michael Venom Page, 15-1 versus Giovanni Melillo. 13 and 4. Now, I have to say, when you look at this on paper, mm-hmm. you'd think this is a squash match. This is something which, you know, Michael Venom Page should actually breeze through. This is a last minute replacement as Derek Anderson, Michael Venom Page's original opponent, had to pull out. Uh, I'm guessing it was an undisclosed injury because no one has actually said or actually given us any yeah, details so on yeah. why he's actually pulled out. But Giovanni Melillo uh, uh, does, on the face of it, look like he will be the sacrificial lamb. He's coming off a win, so he's going to be buoyed by that. But, you know, this is Michael Venom Page we're talking about. This is Michael Venom Page. Page. <laughs> so, really and truly, I, I, I think you kind of like guessed already, I'm going with Michael Venom Page. I'm going with Michael Venom Page either by first round KO, probably a flying knee or something audacious, something spectacular. He's going to make quick work of Giovanni Melillo or he may choose just to draw it out so he can actually, you know, have a two round uh, flash fest for the fans. But either way, we're looking at Michael Venom Page remaining victorious or coming out of this victorious Absolutely. I'm going with Michael Venom Page in the same type of way, some type of spectacular knockout once again. And also, too, like this is a late replacement. So Mm. is is Giovanni in shape? Has he trained? And then it's like you kind of need somebody specific to train for Michael Venom Page. To me, he's just like not a short notice late replacement dude. And you win. You know what I mean? I feel like when you fight Michael Venom Page, you need a full camp. And you got to get some people that have some type of, you know, like that, those angles and that movement that Michael Venom Page brings to the table. And I think you really need to analyze him and study him and come up with a game plan. And you people, cannot train for him. Yeah. You cannot. Unless you're going to get Raymond Daniels and uh, learn basically what effectively nullified Michael Venom Page, not right. once, not twice, but three times previously. Yeah. You need a serious fight camp. You need a serious coach. You need tape. You need all types of... You, you're basically going to war. This guy is somewhat of a phenom. He And then he fights in a way that is unorthodox. You yeah. know what I mean? And he mixes it up well. 
And I just don't know if Giovanni has kind of covered all his corners. You know what I mean? So No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, he's a late replacement. Who knows if he gasses out? We've seen fighters take a, a fight short notice, and some are in shape, mm. and some just gas out. And then the exactly. excuses come afterwards. So the safe <laughs> bet is MVP. He's spectacular. And then a late replacement, I'd put my money on him. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, that goes down this Saturday. As I say, we will be on scene. If you wanted to follow um, the action, not just um, by way of our videos, but um, we'll be putting up content. My, as always, uh, or the best way to actually find out exactly what we're both up to is via Twitter, and that is I'm at Mike Woe TV, and G is at G from Woe TV. That's correct. Mm. Now, just before we wrap up, it'd be great to have some listener questions. Yeah, I've got um, not too many. And you know why we don't have too many? Because that card was lackluster. And um, <laughs> people, there's just a, it's why we're getting a UFC break and an MMA break, because we need like to reset and get excited again. So with mm. that being said, um, Robert Nozel, um, also known as Andrew. Andre motherfucking easy, my boy. He wants to know, what do you think is next for Charles Oliveira, who had that beautiful first-round KO of Jared Gordon? Um, I'll go first. Let me see. Go for it. Yeah. Um, I think Charles Oliveira needs a top 10 opponent. Um, he has He's a submission specialist, and this guy is knocking people out now, which means he's becoming more well-rounded. I also think he's one of the most improved fighters in the UFC. He's been around for quite a while, even though he's just 30. So now I think we step his competition up. And I don't want the rematch with Felder. I want to see him fight someone like Kevin Lee, Edson Barbosa, or Dan Hooker. And I think he would be a formidable challenger for all three of them. And I think the fans would love it. He's, I mean, that knockout was beautiful. And then it's the second one. He dropped Nick Lentz in the fight previously with a nice right hand. It was beautiful. And this is a submission artist. So step up his competition, Mike. What do you think? I'll definitely step up his competition. But, you know, there, there are so many people, you know, well, who've been saying the same thing. And they've been saying it for a while. He should be stepped up in competition. He should be looking at yeah. bigger name opponents. And it, I, I don't know. I just I, I, I'm I'm struggling to see really, you know, what is next for him. I mean, you know, he I called would out like Conor McGregor. Well, <laughs> let let let's just let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. He he ain't gonna fight Conor McGregor. No, or Khabib. Why not? What, I, I, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna say something wild here. Mm-hmm. Why not Khabib? Obviously not next. Ooh. Wait out. Why not next? Oh, wow. That's one hell of a step up of competition. I mean, mm. um, I can't remember off the top of my head. He's, he is on a um, winning fight streak. He has the most submissions in the UFC. I mean. 13 submissions. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not ready yet to see him fight Khabib. But if they did, I would be down to watch it because, I mean, he can definitely threaten off his back he can you know this is yes it's phenomenal and he's very dangerous so i mean i'd I'd watch it but before he fights khabib give him like edson barboza give him somebody that's going to really test him because remember charles charles Oliveira, you have to test him mentally i've seen him kind of crack or wilt like when he fought cowboy he just there are times where i've seen him fall apart from like a nice hard body shot let edson kick his legs out and see if he's still as tough as he is against like how he was with jared gordon let's just see where he is mentally and have Mm. him fight like a really tough opponent he gets past them maybe we start talking this khabib talk because he's underrated bro like he's he's really 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 good i don't want to join the bandwagon but if you check his stats He's the most improved fighter right now. And, and when you go from submission specialist and that you're knocking people out, you're pretty damn good, you know? So yeah, that's, that's, that's what I think on him. You ready for the next one? Oh, definitely. All right. It, um, what's it called? This person, I can't even pronounce their, their names. So shout out to whoever sent this. I'm, I'm not even going to. You know when somebody on Twitter has like 3,000 like numbers and shit in their names? We're not going to do that. So their question, <laughs> they're sorry, buddy. Their question is, do you think Corey Anderson is the next logical step for Jan? What's next for Jan? What do you think, Mike? I, I think it would be the height of disrespect 
to again delay um, Corey Anderson's ascent to the title, and that is, you know, for him to fight John Jones. But he definitely ain't next. It's kind of like obvious, especially what John Jones has been saying recently, uh, that he ain't next. So yes, I would definitely agree. Why not put Jan Blakowicz and um, Corey Anderson together? Why not? Yeah, I'm all for the lightweight, like I call them the killers of the baby sharks. I, I'm all for the baby sharks, which would be Corey Anderson, Walker, Jan, um, Alexander. Hit me with the last name because I always mess it up. Rakic. Rockage. Wreckage. There yeah. you go. I'm Wreckage. all for them like knocking each other out to see who fights John Jones, but then you eliminate any future contenders. So I get why the UFC doesn't do that. But I would have no problem with Jan fighting Corey Anderson. And I think Jan, if it's not Corey Anderson, he needs another fight. He has to win over the fans with like a much better performance. He's gotta Luke Rockhold somebody again. I'm I'm not paying 50, 60 bucks to see Jan be a bit tentative with John Jones. And if he was tentative with Jacare, he's going to be even more tentative with John Jones. Well, it's official. Ben Askin has retired, and I am in awe. Like, I'm shocked that this happened. There's some people who are rejoicing. There's some people who are indifferent. There's some people who are sad. And I, I feel like I'm one of the sad people because I wanted to see Ben Askin succeed. I wanted to see him prove the storyline that the UFC doesn't have all of the greatest fighters on the planet, which is a fact. They don't have all of the greatest fighters. And I feel like he was set up to fail. Dana White and him don't see eye to eye, as we all know. And he was brought into the UFC well after his prime at age 35. He had about 17 fights. And the first person that they give you is Robbie Lawler. One of the most ruthless welterweights we've ever seen. Pun intended. Has two of the most exciting title fights we've ever seen in Carlos Condit and Rory McDonald. He has about 40 fights underneath his belt. Ben had about 17. So he has about twice the fight experience and you're supposed to fight him? Okay, fine. You get in there, you get murked for the first, I want to say, two minutes of the fight, then you squeeze out a submission. What does Dana say next? Oh, I want to see a rematch. You don't want to see a rematch, so what does he do? He gives you Jorge Masvidal, a guy who has about 48 fights, and those are sanctioned fights, by the way, not unsanctioned fights. So a guy who might even have close to 70 or 80 fights total. So another 40 fights. That's about 80 fights of experience, 90 fights if you, if you want to put it up to 50 against your 17. Great, you get knocked out horrendously in five seconds and what do you do you keep your head held high and you try and uh, bounce back against Damian Maya three fights in a year very 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 active he also has 40 fights and Damian Maya has fought some of the most elite fighters in 185 pounds as well as 170 pounds he has fought a lot of tough fighters endless worlds of experience above you he has about 40 fights as well so in your last three fights combined you have about 120 fights to your 17 against world title challengers and contenders and champions to you fighting people around the world in one and a few other organizations. How is that not being set up to fail? And I know you guys are pretty upset about the way Ben Askren conducted himself in the lead up to these fights, except for probably the Damian Maya fight. But how else is he going to promote his fight? His fighting style sure isn't going to do it. Am I lying to say that? It's it's similar to the Chael Sonnen effect. What do you think is going to happen when he finally gets these fights? It's lay and pray all day. So it ain't tricking if you got it. You got to get it how you live. And if that's how he gets people to watch his fights, so be it. You guys are interested in watching Kobe versus Usman. Well, not you guys. A lot more people are interested in watching Kobe versus Usman than you would have predicted, especially if Kobe wasn't talking the smack that he was talking. And it's sad. I, I really did want to see Ben Askren be successful, but... He's got a lot of issues with his age. He said he needed a hip replacement. Like, ooh, he really did not get the best treatment. I'll give you a similar example. Justin Gaethje had his debut, and he was slaying people for years in different organizations. Slaying people. And his first fight was Michael Johnson. Yes, at the time, Michael Johnson had a decent standing at 155 pounds. Well, Michael Johnson never competed for a world title or ever been a contender for a world title. And that was a main event slot, so... I think Ben Askren got a very tough deal here, and he did the best he could. I think if anybody else had to face the type of competition that they had to face with their first three fights in the UFC, they'd probably be 0-3 right now, and be and they'd be gone. They'd be gone. So I respect Ben Askren because he owns up to whenever he loses, he keeps his head held high, and he's pushing forward. I hope nothing but success from the near future. How do you two feel about him retiring? How do you two feel about his ex uh, his stint in the UFC? Thank you all so much. Have a great day. 
Um, what, okay. did, what did you think of, um, we didn't get to discuss this, what did you think of Ben Askren retiring? Well, to be honest with you, I, I know this is going to sound really, really harsh. Mm-hmm. I never liked Ben Askren. I was never a fan of his style. I didn't actually um, gel with him as a personality. Don't get me wrong, I never met him personally, but I found the guy jarring. The whole boom, the whole boom roasted was... It had me thinking a lot of the times, man, at your age, not your shoe size. So when he said that he had actually, um, well, he'd hung up his four-ounce gloves for the last time, I thought perhaps it's for the best. For the best from a physical point of view and for the best because he's made the decision. He's not been pushed out from, um, he's not been pushed out of the UFC. But for the best also because where would he have gone after those two devastating losses? Oh, absolutely. I think it was just time for him to hang him up. And as you were speaking, as you were giving your, you know, your thoughts on Ben Askren, I was over here like praising the Lord. Like I was like, preach on, Michael, preach on. Because it's like, (laughs) I feel the same exact way. I don't know him personally, Mm. listeners don't, you know, they, you know, they like to get in my ass on Twitter and shit when I talk about him. But some of us cannot connect to Ben Askren. I don't get his humor. I don't get his, I don't get his humor. I don't find his fighting style to be kind of like exciting like Khabib like Mm. I I, you know like I don't have a problem with wrestlers especially if you're going to ground and pound people and just you know beat the shit out of them on the ground I love that but I just never found his style interesting I don't find I nothing he's ever said has made me laugh and when he came to the UFC I found that him tweeting every fighter and calling out everybody from Conor McGregor to talking shit about everybody was immature and just distracting. I had to mute him. And then finally when he gets his chance, and mind you I didn't watch him in one. I've seen highlights and I wasn't I not that I wasn't impressed. It doesn't appeal to me. And then he comes to the UFC and he gets smoked. So he kind of put a bad taste in my mouth like, "All right, you were overrated in my mind." And then mm-hmm. Now I'm like, you need to retire. You've come to the UFC way too late in your career. You were probably really good back in the day, you know, but hit replacement at that age. And then this, you know, UFC caliber is just straight smoking him. And I don't care what you say. I thought Robbie Lawler knocked him out. And oh, definitely. That even his one win in the UFC was controversial. Mm. And then, you know what I loved about it? He didn't want to run it back. What's that? I could. Ne- I, I lost. He didn't res- want that smoke. Oh no! When when I saw him, like, no, I don't want to fight Robbie next. I had no respect for him. I had. Mm-hmm. I lost every ounce of respect for him because I know that, like myself or anybody, I know I'm not a fighter. But if I had a controversial loss like that, and you everybody was talking shit, and I'm Ben Askren, I'm the person I was talking all this shit. I run it back. Mm. Win or lose, and he just was like, no, moving on. I'll take. Um, Masvidal, because he thought he could wrestle fuck Masvidal, and he found out he couldn't. <laughs> I just, I always looked at him side eye glance after he was like, "No, I don't want to fight Robbie again." You should, yeah. you know. So, but I'm happy he's retiring. It's it's good for his health, and I don't exactly. and don't tarnish his legacy anymore. The guy was a dope ass wrestler. Let's leave it here. He tried. <laughs> leave it here, you know. And on that note. That about wraps up this episode of The Wokecast. As I mentioned earlier, join us on Twitter to discuss any of what you've heard today in today's show. From next week, we'll be going twice weekly, hopefully, but definitely <laughs> once a week uh, as, a, as the standard. And that will actually start from Monday. So no more Wednesday shows. It will be every Monday without fail. And if there's an extra episode in the week, that'll be great. Until next time, make some trouble.